Well, welcome everyone to Spotty, streaming to you live from Melbourne Town here at the Ticket News Studio in glamorous Richmond, where we shine the spotlight on your shares for the last time this Spotty week and answer your questions live on air. So how do you get to ask them? As you know, text us 0480 079 089, or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. You will see these details appear at the bottom of the screen, of course, but let me tell you folks, our machine's gone into the melt into meltdown given the caliber of our chief spotter today. So let's bring him in. It's a man who, when it comes to dealing with clients, he likes to be as hard as a pack of nails in my old dad's uh, nail bag. It's uh, Tony Lacantro from Alto Capital. G'day, Tony, how are you doing? Yeah, going extremely well, Elio. Just um, enjoying a bit of a slowdown in, in the spec end. I guess you just can't push and have the level of runs all the time. So it gives me a, a, a time to refresh and then go go again. So yeah, I've come off you know, record month and things are quietened down. I think that, that whole junior end has, has slowed up. So probably dangerous times for the traders. Oh, well, look, at least you've taken that uh, downtime to uh, refurbish, of course, those wonderful curtains behind you now making the place look palatial. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your trading background, Tony, for those that have been sleeping under a rock and don't know who you are um, and how you help every uh, you help clients every day at Alto Capital. Yeah, I, I come from eight years in the police force. I taught myself the stock market during night shift and in uniform. I became an advisor in 1998, and I'm only interested in small cap stocks because they're the ones that aren't covered by analysts. And you can, it's kind of well-researched fortune telling. So at the moment, I look after 255 mums and dads. I like looking after the underdog. So not only am I a stock picker, I'm a psychiatrist, psychologist, handholder. But you know we've had a decent run of multi-baggers, and every stock I, I look at has to have 500% upside potential. Not all of them get there, but as I say to new clients, all I can do is provide them with the best possible odds of success. And at the moment, my new business is flourishing from people who realise that they can't do it themselves. Well, it's very difficult, of course, unless you um, have more uh, time than sense and you decide to run your own TV show, I suppose, and have others put it on your platter. But otherwise, you need to use the services of young Tony. So go to altocapital.com.au if you're interested. Uh, next, well, it's me. It has been once a top-performing fund manager known for that fundamental analysis, but I'm not bad with a split-level either. So I'll be looking after the TA side of the discussion and also covering those traditional industrials, larger businesses that um, Tony doesn't necessarily focus on uh, because he's out there finding the next five bagger and you only need one or two of those to change your life altogether. Uh, currently, as we go to where, having a look at the markets here, uh, the All Ordinary is having an okay day, up 0.2% uh, if I saw last. I uh, don't know where it's disappeared, so I had it on my radar, but it's just gone. There we are, 0.28%, uh, XJO up a little bit more than that. So uh, it's time for us to uh, talk about some of the main news stories, actually, uh, from today. And I want to start with Romilius Resources. So obviously, I've toned it for uh, the discussion today. Um, who's produced, I should say, 66,000 ounces of gold in the first three months of the year. The company had been guiding production uh, towards uh, 65 to 70,000 ounces. Uh, the result was at the low end of its guidance due to some motor drive bearing uh, issues that they had at Edna May. Uh, Tony, just your regard, uh, your view in regards to Remilius. I've 
taken, I'll admit, I'll disclose here, I've taken a bit of a nibble in the stock as it's sort of bounced off that low and has sort of been slowly making its way back up the hill. What's your sort of view in regards to RMS? Um, I mean, it's one of those mid-tier producers, but obviously uh, Edna May is its uh, nameplate. I've, I've always had a soft soft spot for RMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll be straight up. It has been my greatest winner in the fact that we owned quite a lot of the company when they drilled into Waddle Dam. I, I like uh, what Mark Zetner has been doing. I think they're one of the more aggressive gold producers that will grow through acquisition. If they can't find it, they'll acquire it. And you've got to really forgive companies for having production issues from time to time. You're not going to have a great quarter every quarter. So I've noticed that the gold price is starting to go back up. We're well above 1700 at the moment, but it's all about the Aussie dollar. So you've got the currency issues as well. But I'd certainly back them in that mid-tier level um, and a great trading stock as well. So I'm very positive on the long-term future of Vermilius. Uh, that's all right. That money machine will keep going, Tony, and that'll keep that currency nice and low. Uh, let's get to topic number two. One in my field here, payments business, EML Payments, has agreed uh, to a deal to buy European open banking provider, provider uh, Sentinel. Oh, sorry, Centennial, I should say. Uh, Sentinel's the dog uh, tablet, of course. Uh, for upfront cost of some 70 million euros, which works out to be about 110 million Australian dollars, and some earnouts of up to 40 million euros. Um, now, Centennial, it's basically a full stack enterprise, great API first platform, whereby it basically allows for you know the the whole a vertical integration with regards to process of payments and the like. It's a pretty unique deal. It's a good deal. It's going to cost a bit of money. I'll talk a bit about more a bit more about that in a moment. But the last topic, Tony, I want to talk about is Resolute Mining, who came out today and said, uh, Siama, the gold mine in Mali, is uh, now expected to produce between two hundred and fifty to three hundred ounces of gold at an average uh, um, all-in sustaining cost of between $1,000 to $2,000 an ounce. I love that uh, uh, wide range, through to 2029. Now, total production is estimated at 2.9 million ounces uh, at an all-in sustaining cost of below $1,000. Uh, but let's face it, Tony, it's been a tough ride for RSG. Most recently, the Ghanaian government saying, thanks for Vibiani, but we'll take that license now. Um, any hope? High risk, high reward. What's your view? Yeah, well, Resolute's always been the red-headed stepchild of the gold sector. <laughs> I think it's one of those last ones uh, people go for. But I had a look at the announcement. Their production numbers look good. That having the license in Ghana removed is is it going to affect, affect their sales, the sale of that project? So they're seeking clarification. But um, th- th- that forecast production does look quite strong. I noticed that some brokers have come out and said that this stock is still undervalued relative, even regardless of the, the decision in Ghana. So probably a good trading stock in the gold sector, but maybe this one could have used one of those dog tablets you mentioned. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's just been an absolute problem child for, for shareholders. And now, look, I think now it can get its act together and any good news out of Ghana should see this re-rate further. So, yeah, a similar trading situation to uh, Remilius, and perhaps they can be forgiven, and the shares are trading around 47 cents, so probably a high-risk, high-reward buy at these prices. 
Yeah, and the best way to deal with a red-headed child, of course, Tony, is to shave its hair off. Uh, now it's time for us to answer your questions, of course, uh, not on parroting, on stocks. Uh, but first, a reminder that all the information that we talk about in today's show is, a general, is of a general nature only, even though we're answering your questions. Uh, past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course. We can't take your circumstances into account. And remember, we do hold interest in stocks, so we try our very best to disclose when we're on air, but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, sometimes we forget. So, of course, as always, feel free to contact us directly if you wish to seek clarification as to any position that we may hold. Uh, all right then, uh, Tony. Look, before we actually ask a question, my first question is to you um, in regards to the upcoming quarterlies. Uh, you are, of course, our uh, dust-filled uh, Petri dish that we love having on the show. How are you feeling at the moment? Are you pumped about what possibly could be coming out of this uh, next set of quarterlies? Or are you as nervous as a 30-year-old about to commit... I don't know, in a life of misery, buying a rundown shack in Torella for $1.5 million. Um, what's your view at the moment, Tony? Uh, is it a good time to be looking at uh, these mining stocks? I think one of the, one of the good things about qualities is you can actually learn what a quality company looks like as opposed to a piece of crap. So, you know, my favourite qualities in the mining sector is Red Metal, who always sets out a brilliant quarterly uh, Minotaur Exploration, even though their focus has changed. Uh, also, you look at something from Narada, Exafarm and Proteomics. So I deal in the quality companies at the lower end, which is, uh, they're the higher quality pieces of crap, which is an oxymoron. But I like attacking those poorlies with a highlighter. And often you can, they make you understand what you actually hold and but uh, to be honest, I've never been more bullish on the prospects of some of my companies. I've had a number that have multi-bagged and now I'm looking at the next phase, but I'm always mindful that the Dow and the S&P 500 are at nosebleed levels. So I'm, I'm now faced with some index risk, but I like some of that risk removed. But I, I love quarterlies. Uh, as I said, you can um, attack them with a highlighter and go through and it's a great exercise for new investors to learn that you shouldn't always take piece of crap tips and then learn how to read a quarterly. So no, looking forward to it, Elio. But unfortunately, some companies release these quarterlies at the last minute. Yeah. I'd rather they, they go early. Yeah, well, it's not like I don't know what's uh, going on. And if I can use a baseball parlance, uh, Tony, even though the team might be losing 10, uh, 10 zip, uh, you can still hit a ball out of the ballpark and get a home run. And that's really the, uh, the skill of trying to pick the good ones from the bad ones. First question, Tony, uh, first one's for you. Mark, he'd love to hear your current views of two of your stable uh, runners. Uh, Stavely, uh, SVY, of course, and uh, you just mentioned there, Proteomics, PIQ. So uh, how's about an update on those two, uh, two uh, horses there? I should disclose that I was a large capital raiser for Chris just before they drilled into that 40% copper hit. So the stock ran to $1.42 then gave up all those gains during COVID back to 27. Currently in the mid 60s, uh, the Cayley load, shallow continues to deliver fantastic results. And I think that underpins the stock in the hunt for the porphyry. And I know in their last announcement that they've said that they're gonna get Greg Corbett, who's a porphyry, worldwide porphyry expert, to have a look at it. And I'm actually surprised at the current weakness. I think there was some large 60 cent placement takers that have sold off. 
but I, I still think that this company's got a great future and to have a copper de potential deposit of that nature in Victoria is a huge plus. So I can see some corporate action down the track. But for mine, it's, it's in the buy zone here and hopefully what they see in that drilling for the, for the mother load is the right rocks and we can, can continue on. But look, it has been six to seven years that Chris has been hunting it and they did hit the home run, but a lot of those gains have been given up. Mm. Now, Proteomics, I'm going to disclose that I have quite a large exposure to that company. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to their 20-year company celebration. My major regret was the fact that I actually drove. Uh, <laughs> everything was free-flowing. Uh, look, they have the ProMarket D, which is a test for diabetics that can indicate if they're going to get chronic kidney disease a few years before it happens. That has been proven to work. Now it's simply a rollout exercise in sales. So that's that's a great part of the company. They also have an upcoming test for endometriosis, which affects one in nine women. And I was sitting at the table drinking bubbles and I, I, I actually asked some of the young people there, what do they do? And they were involved in the, the test for endometriosis, but obviously they couldn't tell me anything uh, along with ASX guidelines, yeah, but I course. know that everything's coming along nicely. And I still see multiple upside, even though a lot of my clients have made five to six times their money. So I remain bullish on it. I'm hopeful for further gains to really hit the home run for my personal exposure, Elio. Yeah, and look, it's a pretty hot sector at the moment and uh, yeah, a lot of money uh, ploughing in. So, you know, definitely got the tailwinds behind it. Um, I'll just answer a question uh, with regards to uh, Sagey. You asked um, about uh, Fletcher Building. Uh, FBU, uh, Fundamental and Technical Analyst. Well, look, uh, Seiji, what, what can I say? You know, there was a time recently where Fletcher Building couldn't assemble a Barbie doll house without losing millions on the deal. Uh, but apparently uh, that's going to change. According to forecasts, we're expecting a strong turnaround with tailwinds, of course, in the broader sector, as we all know quite well. But in all seriousness, the last three results have been held. It's time for them to reap the rewards of a painful transformation Guidance is for some $640 million New Zealand dollars EBITDA in the mid-range um, of that. Um, the pay, they did pay a dividend as the banks reworked their finance agreement, which gave them a little bit of headroom, uh, and that is expected uh, to remain in place. Analysts have been upgrading the stock this year, uh, and there's a little bit of room there to go in regards to that as well. As for the chart, it's been a long time uh, since, you know, Fletcher Buildings had a 12-month chart that's looked like this. It's had a great run. Um, at 12-month highs. Only idiots would suggest it's bearish. Um, you know, we're talking about levels we haven't seen since 2018. So as for a good entry point, from a technical analysis perspective, now is it. What's key is where you set your stop loss to protect your downside, of which that would be $6.04 around there at the first key level. I dare suggest you're really wrong, though, if it breaks below $5.48. So just uh, take that for what it's worth. But yeah, obviously a big turnaround story there. Um, and it's taken them a while, but yes, green shoots are definitely emerging. Uh, Tony, I'm going to go uh, to you with regards to this one here. Um, I don't know why Adam asked you this particular stock, but you know what? You're a man of many skills, so I'm going to ask it anyway. Tony, uh, he's after your thoughts uh, on the augmented virtual reality industry, um, and specifically the ASX-listed stock um, Vection Technologies, code VR1. Uh, which has made some significant inroads into the industry and across Europe. Share price is only $0.09 cents at the moment. 
and therefore he thinks it may be something to look at. So uh, what light can you shine on VR1, Tony? Yeah, I've never seen a slide of key personnel full of Italians. So you and me both, Elio, would be suited on that on that slide. Now, normally you see a heap of uh, Chinese or other nationalities, but anyway, they do have an Italian office. Now, I, I had a look at this. The market cap's up around towards $100 million. There is great liquidity. They do have over $5 million towards $7 million in cash. But I'm going to need to see revenues grow from the first half a year of $700,000. So they do have some key partnerships all over the world, but I guess it's a case of increasing revenues and, you know, starting to head towards a cash flow positive uh, situation. So, I mean, this AI space, virtual reality, I think certainly has legs. I think the stock has enough liquidity to trade it. But, but as I said, they certainly going to need more revenue to justify that market capitalization. Mind you, a lot of companies these days don't need revenue to get a high valuation. All they need is, is two magic words, and that's Bev and Slattery on the register. <laughs> so, look, I'll be honest, this is something that I'd trade rather than long-term hold. But again, you know, some major contracts and revenue, but I've seen how these companies can grow and it's in a hot sector. So, yeah, I think it needs to catch up to that valuation. Well, Tony, if you ever decide to change paths and go into the tech space, look, I'm building an app at the moment. I only need around 250 mil, if you don't mind raising that for me in the not too yeah. distant future. Pre-revenue, of course. Uh, don't mm -hmm. want to uh, create any uh, wrong expectations. Um, look, Will, uh, you asked about Zeotech, uh, code ZEO. I'll answer this one, Tony, because I wrote about ZEO in a recent AFR article where I was discussing carbon capture. Uh, look, Zeo uh, make um, zeolites, uh, which are traditionally used as a substitute for phosphates that are harmful to the environment uh, when they're released to the water waterways. But zeolites um, have very strong absorbent capabilities and academic research has shown that they can be used and they have a propensity for carbon absorption. So the company has recently engaged itself with the University of Queensland to evaluate the performance of synthetic zeolites in carbon capture. The hope is that a cost-effective uh, a synthetic sort of carbon capture solution can be delivered to market on a commercial stage. Now, well, price-wise, it's hard to set stops on a stock like this. And I know, Will, you're a big fan of looking at the squiggly line. So when you see them go up in that parabolic run, it's really hard. So what's key is really your position size and what you, you know, what risk you've got on the table at this point. Now, if you got in, you know, if you got to 10.5 cents, for example, uh, you know, basically that means your stop would be from a trading perspective likely around your entry price. So, um, you know, depending on when you got in relative to the size of risk, you know, if your investment stop would say be down a little bit lower that 6.9 where you don't have the faith, you know, you got in much earlier and therefore you can take a little bit more of a clip and get the price breathing a little bit more. Now, I know that can be a little bit loose for you though, but what's most important, Will, a message I've reiterated to you a number of times that I know you've got because you're telling me you're doing it is to build out that trading plan, which includes, of course, what you do in case of a windfall. When you do make money, um, how do you actually take some of that off the table? And I know that's part of what drives Tony Batty when he's trying to deal with his clients, trying to get them to take a windfall off the table on the occasions they do occur. 
um, even though they're probably used to making so much money, Tony, they're probably just uh, backing you all the way in. I will go to another stock, or two stocks actually, um, NC6 and ExoFarm. Uh, the up or question comes from Anthony, would like an update on those two stocks, please. Yeah, I'll start with ExoFarm. Uh, came out with a bit of a, a bad announcement uh, a few days ago where they said that they were doing a test on rodents for knee for knee regeneration and they actually injected too much into them and their knees were, were stuffed. So that saw the stock sold down to 58 cents. And recently, Ian Dixon, who I regard as a commercial genius, has said that they've signed an MOU with the uh, Red Cross of Finland and they're gonna look at potential collaborations with uh, platelets. And they've also announced that they're uh, flexible I'll get those names mixed up, there's so many products, that that was proven to be safe and that's a key milestone for the company. So, look, I think it has got enormous growth potential. I should disclose, Elio, that I floated the company and I was contacted by Indixon pre-float. So my clients own absolute bucket loads of this stock. I'd still be on the top 20 shareholders, but I just think this... Exosomes are a really exciting sector of the market. Ian's appointed people that have ex-CSL experience. Obviously, their office in Switzerland is going to come to is coming to fruition. Obviously, with that uh, collaboration with the uh, Finnish Red Cross. So I see huge growth ahead with some turbulence because not every experiment is is going to be positive. You know, it's a bit like married at first sight, where not all the not all the couples are going to work or they just become narcissistic gaslighters. So look, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm also going to disclose to viewers that I have a cheeky sell order on a $1 of some of my stock. I've still got shitloads of it just to frame the contract note and put it straight to the forum. Yeah, which, of course, we all love to hang those in the pool room. Tony, I've got to admit, I'm sort of a stickler to doing that too in order to record those memorable moments. So well done in regards to that. I'm going to talk about EX1 a little bit later, but just uh, we're about halfway through now, folks. So just remember those details. Question at spotty.com.au or Texas 0480 and we'll answer your question live on air if we've got time. But like I said, we've got a full board um, already. Uh, over the weekend, if you miss us, you can go to spotty.com.au to learn more, or well, sorry, I should say, to go and watch replays of the show. We're also available on your favourite podcast channel as well. Um, Tony, I will go, oh, sorry, I just did jump in before there, Nanaloose, NC6. Yes. Uh, did you want to uh, give Anthony a young up uh, an update in regards to that? Yeah, I should disclose that during COVID, I actually supported their rights issue and I also supported uh, Alfie Germano, who has since left the company. But Nanolos are actually involved in the creation of uh, fibres, rayon fibre from coconut sugar and, and waste. And they have appointed as a consultant another expert in the fashion industry. So it was one of those stocks that actually overshot to the upside. So we're, we're in the rights issue too for when I actually went over 20 cents. But I'll be honest that I haven't fully reacquainted myself with the stock. I know that it had enormous potential, environmentally friendly clothing, I think is going to become a major trend because if viewers don't know, it does take around 52,000 litres of water to mm. produce one pair of jeans. So look, I will, look, my clients have 
had a major success with nanolows. We stepped up during COVID, but I'll, I'll have to revisit the company. And unfortunately, uh, one of the, the chairman was actually at that proteomics event, but I didn't get a chance to speak to him. So look, we, are, we maintain a residual holding, and I think that you know, on the next run, uh, we'll look at what to do with it then. But it hasn't delivered on timelines. They have had issues, obviously, with COVID has set them back. But I think, you know, if this stock starts to run, it's the type that runs like a Kenyan. All right, excellent. Then you want to be definitely on the back of that. Uh, look, uh, I'll yep. answer Michael's question. He's wanting to get our view in regards to Weststar Industrials. The code is WSI for those uh, playing along at home. I'll paraphrase um, his sort of comments in my uh, little answer here, just having a look if I remember. Yep, there we go. Uh, well, look, it's an engineering firm involved in construction and mining services. It trades on a PE of six. It's profitable. They won $34.1 million worth of contracts in March, which is twice their current market cap. The share price, well, of course, has fallen 30% this year and has bugger all liquidity. He's scratching his head. Why on earth has that happened? Uh, the problem here is really it's an engineering stock. I mean, you know, you look at the Simpec business, uh, which is one that he quotes in his question. Last year was kicking goals. In the late, latest half yearlies, they barely made a peep. Uh, and the growth came from the acquisition of all type that they made in early 2020. Margins are way for thin. You get one project wrong and you end up like Forge, RCR, Tomlinson or Hasty Group. Um, and the other engineering stocks discarded like one of Tony's cigar butts. Uh, look, you know, there could be a bit of a re-rate if they can make money out of this. Um, they've got a big um, workbook that they could possibly, that they're bidding for, that hopefully they get that on. The traction they've got in March has been impressive. If they can continue to convince the market that they can not only win those contracts, but execute on them effectively and efficiently, then you might see that re-rate and you could make some money out of this. It is a cheap engineering stock, but unfortunately it's just one of the natures of the sector that it's in rather than it being uh, business related per se. Um, Tony, an interesting one uh, that uh, was asked, and I'm not sure if you do know about it, but the question comes from David. He says, hi, Tony, um, have you any recent news regarding shares held in IVQ, uh, which is InVictroQ, uh, before it was delisted from the ASX? So IV, IVQ is that code, Tony. Um, are you able to have added some colours to that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm involved in the company and talk about uh, red-headed stepchildren. Uh, this, this has been quite a frustrating one for me. Uh, it, it, it's involved in personalised uh, cancer tests where you test on organoids the best cancer treatments. The company is growing revenues. However, a few of the directors tried, tried to roll management and it was subsequently suspended and now it has been delisted uh, from the ASX. However, the company's far from dead. It does have a lot of growth ahead of it. They are signing contracts. So I'm of the opinion that since most of their business is based out of Hong Kong and Europe, that the company will eventually relist on another exchange. And I think that the value for shareholders is a good chance of being maintained with some decent growth. So I do have some clients in it. It has been frustrating, but I think the company's growth is still intact. So I'll be in touch with uh, my clients and shareholders uh, at a later date. But yeah, right. one of those ones that just, um, I always get one stock that provides huge problems. So clients don't have to buy me anything at Christmas and they can hate me. Anyway, that's fine. 
No, that's fine. No, it's all part of the caper, isn't it? You can't get them all right 100% of the time. Otherwise, no. you probably sign a pack with the devil and you don't want to be one of those. And a big hello to all my 100% correct pickers out there. Uh, question comes from Vladimir, a great contributor to the program. G'day, Vladimir. Just wanted to hear um, my thoughts in regards to AVA Risk Group, Code AVA. Um, they've had a significant retracement from all-time highs recently. I think it was back in November. Um, I'll check that in a moment. I wanted a technical and fundamental update in regards to our thoughts on AVA in 2021. So I'll start with the fun, uh, fundamentals first, if I can take William's turn. Look, it's hard to see what's wrong. To be honest, it's important to remember that, you know, it went from 10 cents to 80 cents in seven months. And at 48 cents, it's still well above that prior level. So it's a stock actually that spotty viewers have made a lot of money from, uh, from last year when we talked about it quite a bit. Now, for those that don't know, it's a security firm providing both services and technology security solutions. They've won contracts with the Indian military, uh, which is a positive and they keep extending that out. And they're making, they're beating their drum actually quite loudly about their Aura IQ product. Uh, that is starting to get some traction though there's no sales coming through just yet. Now, other than profit taking, um, to be honest with you, Vladimir, the other reason uh, why price might be falling is really the desire to sell their services business, which uh, you know does things like uh, transport all that silver that Tony likes to swim in at home and that he has to send back to the Perth Mint to clean up and put there for safekeeping. Uh, so it all really comes down to price action, to be honest, and it doesn't look great, I'll be frank. A succession of lower highs and lower lows, just having a look down here, uh, means that it's well and truly in that downtrend. Price broke below that 200-day uh, moving average a few days ago, um, though I noticed it's popped its head back up above that. So what does that mean? Well, basically, the price has got to get back above 56 uh, cents. Hopefully, it will have a slight uh, comeback from that to take the steam off that rapid run, and then you might look to accumulate there. Otherwise, another down day for the market, and it could see us heading towards 36 cents. Doesn't deserve it, but that's the caper we're all in, unfortunately. Uh, Tony, I want to talk to you about a question from Paul in regards to, I know, a business you know its history very well, um, IGO, the old independence group, you old independence gold. Um, so IGO is the code. Uh, wondering what he wants to know what you think of it and whether it's a nibble here uh, after recent weakness. Yeah, it's, it's a company that I'm very fond with since uh, I raised them $4 million to float them, oh God, coming up to 20 years ago. Look, it is a bit big now. They do have that uh, nickel production from the Nova Bollinger, Bollinger discovery that Sirius made, and they also have some decent gold exposure. So, look, I think it's one of these mid-tier Australian resource companies that has a chance of becoming a much bigger company. And as we've seen with the growth of the likes of Oz Minerals and early days of Sandfire, so actually, this is one stock I'd certainly accumulate on weakness with its multi-commodity risk as well. So yeah, one I like. Uh, I should disclose that I had a lotto win with this company, uh, but I failed to really cash in the ticket. So anyway, you learn. You do learn these lessons and it makes you a better investor moving forward. The market's a great teacher, actually. Our problem as investors is generally listening. To those lessons. Uh, Tesh, uh, just a quick question. Uh, Tony, I'm going to come to you for your two stocks um, to watch in a moment, so I'll get you uh, all uh, lathered up and ready for that one. Um, Tesh, though, you did ask a really interesting question in regards to whether Tony or I would know whether the blocks three and four next to for, um, Fosterville, I should say, uh, which uh, Kirkland Lake actually own, 
um, whether there's been a deal and whether you know we know who's in the box seat to win those two particular tenements. You've put up uh, uh, Kalamazoo, uh, KZR is their code. That's not a fake name. That's really what they're called. Um, look, it's above our pay grade, to be honest with you, Tesh, to know that sort of detail. And if we did, we wouldn't be able to disclose it. As you can imagine, this is a pretty sensitive nature. We recommend you go to the mines department um, for any updates in regards to that, because yeah, really uh, that's yeah, a dangerous game for us to uh, be playing. And yeah, we're not on Twitter at the moment, unless you are watching on Twitter, of course. Um, but uh, that aside, yes, we can't get involved in that sort of uh, discussion. Uh, particularly with our faces on screen. All right then, Tony, time for you to help us, you know, see the light. Now, this is an interesting section, of course, because investors sit there and wait uh, 35 minutes for us to yabber through what we do in order to get to this part, Tony. The thing I always like to remind everyone, of course, is that um, you need to listen attentively to what we say. You need to then toddle off and you need to do your own research in order to assess whether any of these stocks align with your investment objectives and of course, tolerance to risk. And then if you wanna to speak to someone, you need to do so with a licensed advisor, of course, to which Tony's one of those, if you uh, wish to become a client of his. So, all right then, Tony, what two stocks do you wanna help us see the light on right now? My first stock is Narada Inc, NYR. They're trading around 30 cents. I should disclose that I took a prominent role in their 26 cent CDI capital raising uh, where Tranche One has already settled. I still believe that this company has a, a massive future in the field of uh, cholesterol. They're looking at a PCKS9 inhibitor to reduce LDL or bad cholesterol. And they also have a program in traumatic brain injury looking at ways to alleviate the effects of stroke and concussion in sports people, which is quite a topical field at the moment. They've also signed a collaboration with the Walter Reed uh, Institute, which deals with military in the US. I think the market has underestimated this as one in 25 personnel in the US military actually have a traumatic brain injury. Mm. So this is, a, this is a big deal. I must disclose to viewers that we own an absolute shitload of this company. I have a massive position personally. I took part in, in the capital raising only to a small extent because I let my, my clients go first. But there could be some near-term weakness when you get an 800,000 point down night on the Dow. Some of those 26 cent placement takers might sell, but I'm happy to pay around 30 cents. It's great that Canary Capital were joint lead managers with us at Alto because we did the Exafarm deal at 24 and that hasn't done too badly. So my first stock is Narada with medium to longer term growth potential. My second stock is an unloved gold explorer called Weststar. Code is WSR. I've gotten to know the MD Carl Jupp and Simon Ely from the company. I think these are emerging rock stars, so to speak, in the junior gold space. They are doing a crap load of drilling at the moment. Results are imminent. But I think one of the major selling points, apart from the very tight capital structure, because their EV is only around $5 million, is that they have a $2 million joint venture with Remilius, who can go out and spend that money to earn 75% in some exploration ground that, that has some high grade historical hits. So this is the type of company I liken to an AUN, which is finally fighting back but it would be some good competitive tension between Weststar and Oyamin. And I think Carl Jupp is a great guy to lead this company forward. 
And there's always, you know, the possibility that one big, one big gold discovery and this thing will re-rate very quickly. So my two stocks to watch are Narada and Wester. N-Y-R and um, uh, W-S-R, of course, uh, the yeah. two stocks uh, there. And, yes, I wrote an AFR article about the uh, impact with the TBI for Narada recently as well. Uh, well, for my uh, stocks, they're actually stocks that have been mentioned today, actually. And you know what? I'm going to mention them again, and I'm going to say it again. And the first one is basically I'm going to keep doing so. Why? Because I've got a man crush, to be honest, on Tom Cregan. The stock I'm talking about is EML Payments. The code is EML. Now, if I hear someone say that they are a gift card provider in the future, I'm going to do the Terry Wallace and throw up. Uh, these guys seek to be the payment superhighway, connecting businesses with the money that they're owed. Now, the latest uh, piece to that is, like I said, the centennial acquisition that they made today. It's an open banking network. They bought the platform and the IP. They bought the customer base. They have basically enabled payments in complex transactional worlds that we are all living in. That's their game. And they've figured out how helping multiple providers is better than being the sole. So EML is uh, the stock. And yes, we've talked about it a number of times, so it shouldn't come as a shock to many of you. But um, good news today, further uh, reinforcing its trajectory and its success as a business. The next stop is, again, another one that I've spoken about a number of times here, uh, but it was an interesting story. It was ExoFarm, and the code is EX1. A few days ago, they came out with that announcement, as Tony told us, told him they'd botched up that uh, in vitro trial with the rats uh, when it came to regenerating the cartilage in their knees. Basically, the cartilage in the rats was all gone, and no regeneration was possible. Now, people took this as a negative um, for the Cerevis and the Plexerus, uh, drugs that were used to, uh, to carry the agent. But what did people expect? I mean, you can't regenerate something that's not actually there. Um, I mean, they're not God. Well, not yet. Uh, yesterday, Ian Dixon, though, took all my glory because I was going to push this message out harder um, to the outside world. He came out yesterday and mentioned that uh, Plexivil is safe in humans. Um, and here's the thing. Forget the drug. All right, what does, it doesn't matter with regards to XFM what they're trying to cure. What is important is the drug technology that they're working on, um, their ability to use the platelets or engineered exo exosomes to carry whatever drug you want into the human body uh, and system. It's safe, it's transportable, and it's the next stage of science. To be quite frank and honest, unfortunately, it has to disclose these things. It does confuse more people than it's worth. But EX1, I believe, is a strong long-term story. And I reinforce everything Tony mentioned about the exceptional leadership team, captain, of course, by Ian Dixon himself. Um, Tony, before you go, I, I can't leave without having a comment in regards to property prices. They have absolutely kicked once again. And they always appear to be on the precipice. And then money machines go burr. Then APRA says loosen the lending requirements. And now all of a sudden they want to turn that around. I joked about that $1.5 million place in, um, you know, uh, Torella, whereby it's in old knockdown fibro, but, no, you know, I reckon you'd be getting no change from that. You'd probably have to pay up more. What, 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 what hope do younger Australians have when it comes to entering this game? And seriously, how about a bit of reality as to where they should be focusing on? Yeah, well, I just see that Sydney and Melbourne have regained their highs in 2008. But pre the Liberal election, the trajectory was looking as though I'd win that bet with the kook. 
and then pre-COVID, the trajectory was down as well. And what COVID has done is pretty much given people a year to get the hell out of a property that a lot of people are paying 20 times earnings. So I based that on 85 to $90,000. Now, I tweeted that I believe that we are, the top is now in, when the Daily Telegraph Family Photo Index, that's a family being proud of paying 25 earnings for a dump under a flight path, like in Leichhardt, I think the top's in. This is where every property looks like a South American swimsuit parade. You take all of them home, but who can hold a conversation and cook a roast? I think Australians are the most delusional people on earth, thinking that 20 times earnings is the norm. And a, a, a state like Perth, which has the, one of the strongest economies in the world, no congestion, great people, great beaches, should be trading at half that of the median price of Sydney. I think, you know, as Morgan Kelly said, he's researched all the OECD housing bubbles that when it bursts and as sure as shit it will, you'll lose 70% of the gains in real terms. I think this is a once in a generation selling opportunity. I've looked stupid due to COVID and the fact that every the RBA's on everything. But if you get two people in a street that decide to sell and start churning, taking 10 to 20% off, that whole suburb is gonna correct. So uh, my view is if you're on the Eastern States, you've won lotto. If you can get away from being sentimental about property, because as we know, you can only be sentimental about something you can afford to keep. I just think this is a major selling opportunity and you've got to do it before the greater shipper falls runs out. So yes, hugely negative. Young, the cure for expensive property is to sit and wait for cheaper property, but it could take four to five years to play out. And what the hell are we doing have a forecast growth of four and a half percent and interest rates at 0.10. So yeah. keeping interest rates low is trying to keep a beach ball down at a public pool. And you have no hope of doing that. If I can put that perfect full stop on your sales pitch for Perth too, Tony, you have the best time zone in the entire world. Well, that's all we've got time for today and this week, folks. So on behalf of all of you, I want to thank my great mate, Tony Lacandro from Elto Capital for your participation today, mate. Thank you as always. Absolute pleasure, Elio. And thanks to the viewers who continue to support this program. I think it's awesome. And remember, if you want to get more of the Tony Style rants, follow him on Twitter. Lacandro Tony um, is the uh, little hashtag you need to go to or whatever it is, the at symbol, in order to do that. And you get the odd concert and movie review thrown in as well, which is always entertaining. That brings us to the end of our short and spotty week. Go to the website to learn which guests will be on next week. Watch replays of the show and, of course, learn more about our premium level consulting services too, um, of which uh, some of you have come on board, which is great. Uh, but we do have a few little places left. We are coming close to closing the door, though, because we've got other big plans um, going as well. Um, look, if you've got a question between now and next show uh, on Monday, question at spotty.com.au or text us 480079. Uh, 089. Uh, thanks again to our friends at Ticker, to Mike and Rick for pushing all the right buttons. And until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares and Tommy Radonikus from down here in Melbourne to you up there. You raise a glass in your memory. Stream Ticker News Live on the Ticker app. 
on your social media platforms or watch live and on demand at tickernews.co. News as it breaks and the stories shaping our lives on demand. Ticker, streaming news now. 